Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. And today we will be discussing the horrific tale of Summer Camp Gone Wrong, The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager. As usual, let's talk about our fuel for this discussion before we get into it. Heather, what are you drinking tonight? I'm hydrating with water, although... I will say this. I did go to Starbucks and and actually instead of getting a coffee, I went rogue and I got a strawberry acai refresher, which is delicious. I also are love it. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> Who are well, you? You know, third trimester, I got nauseous as I was drinking it, so I gave it to my husband and I was like, I'm just gonna drink water. <laughs> so that's what happens when you go rogue. I tried to get a drink for recording and failed miserably. So now I'm just hydrating with water. Listen, I am drinking something that will make up for the both of us because I am drinking a crooked marker after hours espresso martini in a can. Wow, that's a lot. It's a name. It's it's a lot. Well, you know, I love crooked marker. I I know. Oh my god, we love crooked markers. So Eric saw that they had espresso martinis. And like, I may be old, but I can still keep up with the trend. Okay, Mm -hmm. I know an espresso martini is good. These are not great. Not great (laughs) at all. But I poured it over ice and I added a little bit of coffee creamer. Oh. So it kind of like watered it down a little bit. The stevia, because it's made with stevia and erythritol instead of regular sugar, it gives it like a very bitter taste. And so the, the coffee drink, creamer the... helps. Yeah. Because okay. so, they're s- only 90 calories. They're like I would even suggest sugar-free. like next time adding like a shot of Bailey's. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Or Kahlua. Ooh, that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Because then that'll love my Bailey's. Yeah, because then that'll at least give it a little bit of that sugar that you may be missing and help with the taste. It won't be as bitter because it'll you'll have the Irish cream in there. That's a good idea, Mm -hmm. and that's you know will hit the effect more than the coffee creamer that I added. These things are ten percent, so we're just gonna see where it takes (laughs) us. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So let's get into it. Sure. Riley Sager is actually a pen name. He has books published under two other names as well. So his real name is Todd Ritter, where he wrote three books. They're all in like the same uh, police procedural series. Oh, okay. And then Alan Finn, which is just another random pen name where he wrote one historical fiction mystery. Hmm. So on Goodreads, someone asked him like, will you ever go back to your real name? And he was like, definitely not. Riley Sager is way more popular than Todd mm-hmm. Ritter ever was. And it also sounds cooler. <laughs> so much cooler, especially for the kind of books that he's writing because he's yeah. always written mysteries. Mm -hmm. So he was born in Pennsylvania, but he now lives in Princeton, New Jersey, which is in my neck of the woods. I know. His favorite slasher movie is Scream, which I cannot argue with. There you In go. the slightest. I, I think <laughs> I love this man. Uh-huh. So under the name Riley Sager, he has seven successful novels under his belt, two of which have been optioned for on-screen adaptation. So Final Girls, which is definitely his most well-known and most popular. And then this one, The Last Time I Lied, which was picked up as a limited TV series. Oh, but really? Yes. But he says that it's so, it's in such early stages and mm. talks that he's not even like looking forward to it yet. But But he's hoping that eventually he'll see one of his books on the big or the small screen. And I think this would be a great TV series. This would be a great TV series. I could totally see this playing out as Mm -hmm. a really well live action TV series. Especially because like the setting... 
which is the settings, awesome. the time jumps, so you can have mm-hmm. two different, you know, time frames, and it's yeah. a good storyline. So yeah, I think that this yeah, would. I could definitely see it. Okay, so here's something really weird. We are recording this episode on June 29th. Uh-huh. And I was looking at Riley Sager's website. And right now, tonight, he is at the Princeton Barnes & Noble promoting his new book. Oh, my God. That's wild. Isn't is that so weird? I also wish we knew that. We would have. I would have freaking went. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I was like looking at his events and stuff. And I was like, wait. Oh, man, that's today. And then I was like, it's literally in Princeton and we're recording today. Oh and he's promoting um, his new book, The Only One Left, which mm-hmm. we actually talked about on our recent yes. monthly episode that we're looking forward to it. So that's, that's weird, so though, funny. right? That's so funny. So he's like... <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes from my house right now. Um, okay, so this book is a mystery thriller published in 2018, which I didn't realize that it was published that long ago. It was nominated for Best Mystery and Thriller that year, and it's actually inspired by Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is both a novel and a movie about four girls disappearing in Australia while they're on a picnic outing with their boarding school. Have you seen this movie? No, they did a... I thought it was a series, but maybe it was a movie. But I remember seeing... No, this is an old movie. Unless they redid it. They redid it too. They re- they did okay. which which makes sense, I guess, actually, if because if if this was 2018, recently, I think it was Amazon mm. Prime put out a series, and I think Natalie Dormer was in it. Really? Yeah. So because I remember okay, seeing I Take the Picnic out. at the. I remember that name. I didn't know that was a book mm-hmm. or anything, but I knew that it was like a series, and I'm pretty sure it was Amazon Prime. Will fact check myself later, but <laughs> but I think that yeah, it was um a series. Maybe it was a movie, but recently like in the last like three years four years maybe yeah because the first movie came out in 1975 so it's yeah this, super okay, old. No. okay now this was like maybe 2020 2021 2019 oh wow. maybe i'm thinking of okay. something else no you could be right it's just there's a lot of picnic and hanging rock car shows coming up i don't know <laughs> i'm i'm not good at googling under pressure apparently anyway. it's fine we'll check we'll check back on this later or we'll be we'll corrected who knows um yeah okay so here's our summary from the inside cover of my hard co- hardcover copy because i liked it better than the summary on goodreads but don't tell them i said that okay mm, secret safe with me but i'm a little upset it's fine there was there was some discrepancies they okay. said that she came back as an art counselor she wasn't a counselor She was an instructor and you'll just, you'll see what I mean. This really sets it up perfectly. (laughs) Okay. So two truths and a lie. The girls played it all the time in their cabin at Camp Nightingale. Vivian, Natalie, Allison, and first time camper Emma Davis, the youngest of the group. But the games ended the night Emma sleepily watched the others sneak out of the cabin into the darkness. The last she or anyone saw of them was Vivian closing the door behind her, hushing Emma with a finger pressed to her lips. Now a rising star in the New York City art scene, Emma turns her past into paintings, massive canvases filled with dark leaves and gnarled branches that cover ghostly shapes in white dresses. When the paintings catch the attention of Francesca Harris White, the wealthy owner of Camp Nightingale, she implores Emma to return to the newly reopened camp as a painting instructor. Seeing an opportunity to find out what really happened to her friends all those years ago, Emma agrees. Familiar faces, unchanged cabins, and the same dark lake haunt Nightingale, even though the camp is opening its doors for the first time since the disappearances. Emma is even assigned to the same cabin she slept in as a teenager, but soon discovers a security camera, the only one on the property, pointed directly at its door. 
Then cryptic clues that Vivian left behind about the camp's twisted origins begin surfacing. As she digs deeper, Emma finds herself sorting through lies from the past while facing mysterious threats in her present. And the closer she gets to the truth about Camp Nightingale and what really happened to her friends, the more she realizes that closure could come at a deadly price. Ooh, my job. I mean, they really don't bury the lead. That's the whole book. <laughs> um, but like some other but, stuff happens in between. No, and I actually think that, but there is like a bunch that happens throughout the book that even though you, you kind of get the gist of the story, there's still so much you don't know until you read the book. Yeah. This is an insanely detailed book. Like mm-hmm. I was just texting you. I'm so glad I reread this because I <laughs> did not remember half of this stuff. Like I remembered <laughs> the, the general idea, yeah. but all of this like family <laughs> history and stuff, I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. So we have our key characters. There's Francesca Harris White, aka Franny. She owns Camp Nightingale and her assistant Lottie. And Lottie's family has been assisting Franny's family for generations. So they're super close. And Lottie is basically Franny's, like, right-hand woman. Mm-hmm. Then Franny has two adopted sons, Theo and Chet. And at the time of the first notable summer at Camp Nightingale, Theo is 19 and Chet is 10. Then we have our original four bunkmates, Natalie, Allison, Vivian, and Emma. And Emma's only 13, but she gets to camp late, so she's bunked with the older girls. And it has to be said that they are literally the mean girls. Yeah. Vivian is Regina, Natalie and Allison are Karen and Gretchen, and Emma is Katie. You're so correct on that. I didn't even I didn't a, think about that, but yeah. It's like uncanny. So immediately Viv decides she wants to include Emma in their clique and treat her like a little sister. And Emma is immediately willing to do anything to impress Vivian, which is so relatable because she's a 13-year-old girl. It's her first year away at camp. Viv is so cool and confident and gives her this attention that she's never had before. Yeah, and I I agree. And she kind of gets to make newer friends because she talks about how she always just hangs out with like the same people. And she also comes from a home where like her mother's like an alcoholic and everything. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really have anybody she can talk to. So yeah, so she's like, so surprised that Viv is even giving her the time of day, and that she seems to really like her. But it turns out Vivian is controlling and super bitchy. She takes Emma under her wing and starts to corrupt her a little bit. But then she's like, Basically teaching her how to be a mini Vivian, but then when Emma either starts acting like Vivian or when she becomes the center of attention, Viv loses her shit. Like when she pretends to drown because Emma is getting swimming lessons from Theo. I know. It was, it's, you kind of have like a love-hate for Vivian because I like that she wants to be a big sister figure for Emma because Emma doesn't Mm -hmm. have that and she's definitely has shining moments like when Emma gets her period for the first time at camp and Vivian is so helpful and doesn't even judge her you would think that in that situation my first thought was when when Emma went up to like to tell Vivian that she was bleeding I thought Vivian was going to be like ill gross and kind of be like a bitch about it and it was the complete opposite Mm -hmm. she took her under her wing and was like my sister did this for me I'm going to do it for you but then of course then you have the situations where Emma wants to be like Vivian so she feels like Vivian's judging her if she eats too much or eats the wrong things you know, yeah, I was just going to say that she controls yeah. what all of them eat. Mm-hmm. 
and so like she makes things. comments about what they're mm-hmm. eating. She makes, you know, she's constantly playing games with their emotions and playing everyone around her. Yeah, a hundred percent. So Viv says, everything is a game, M, whether you know it or not, which means that sometimes a lie is more than just a lie. Sometimes it's the only way to win. So, And this is how she sees everything. Like, everything mm-hmm. is a game. Everything is a way for her to win. And a lie is necessary if it means that she's going to win. Mm-hmm. But what's really important and something I want to talk touch on, especially because we talk so much shit about male writers, is... <laughs> How he was able to capture the complexities between these female friendships, especially young teenagers, the way that Emma will do anything to impress Viv because she is so impressionable as a 13-year-old girl, but she's still so ruled by her emotions and quick to lash out. So mm-hmm. she's kind of fighting that own her own battle in that way. And she craves those moments of, like you said, being Viv's little sister, even though she sees how manipulative and bitchy Vivian can be. And even though that dynamic is so obvious because Viv is, you know, controlling the other girls, controlling the games they play, controlling what they eat, all of this stuff. It's truly a frenemies situation. I agree. And it's nice seeing a male write female characters correctly. Exactly. And not making them terrible and then you hate them like Grady Hendrix. <laughs> exactly. And not making their entire personality. Because like Viv's yeah. entire personality could have been that her sister died or that she was rich or all of these things. But these are not her personality. Like No. And I feel like every female character that he wrote in this book, for the most part, they were like the main characters like Franny, Emma, Vivian. They were complex. They had more than mm-hmm. one attribute where I feel like sometimes when, when male writers write females, they just make them one way and that's it. Mm-hmm. And there's no room to play around with them. Whereas Riley Sager did, does a really good job with playing around with these women characters and giving them different mm-hmm. attributes and all these different, like you said, complexities and being able to write women friendship and not making it stereotypical either. Because it yeah, wasn't stereotypical yeah. at all. Like he explores that frenemy situation really well because yeah. it can be true that Emma is irrationally angry at Viv and also wants her to like her so badly. And it can also be true that Viv is annoyed by Emma, but mm-hmm. also wants her approval in the same way like all of these things can be true and -hmm. you don't always see that and that's not even just a male writer i mean it's we see it more you know it's more primarily yeah but because women do it too i'm trust me i know i've read books that women have written and you're like this is stupid so it's definitely a a mark of a good writer Mm -hmm. but the fact that it's a man especially writing girls around this age like the fact that i was relating to what these girls were going through i was like okay that's that's a big deal yes and we find out that vivian also has a lot of trauma in her past so her older sister drowned and we find out that natalie and allison were actually her sister Catherine's friends but Mm -hmm. after Catherine passed then they grew a lot closer so we're 15 years back this is where it all starts the night they disappeared emma is heartbroken because she sees viv having sex in the showers and she knows it has to be with theo and she is gutted because she has a huge crush on Theo because everyone did but obviously Viv knew about this so she's she's like how could you betray me how could you do this to me you did it as a personal attack to me and just her feelings of betrayal know no bounds in this moment yes 
I agree. The whole Theo situation. I have such mixed feelings. I have such mixed feelings. So Emma's obviously 13. She's young. It's her first, like, crush, realistically, Mm -hmm. on the older camp counselor. Okay, come on. Like, that's every girl goes through that and everything. I found myself not enjoying how Theo also seemed to be into Emma (laughs) when there was, like, that, like, age gap. And I got a little – that was the – I will be honest, that is the only thing about this book that made me a little uncomfortable and that I didn't like was just because, like, I get it. Like, he, like, I, he's a dude. Of course, I'm sure he likes the attention from, like, girls. Yeah. He's a dude. But it just kind of seems – and then you find out more, too, in the now when Theo and Emma are reunited. But it's – I wasn't a huge fan of the fact that he kind of also is into this young adolescent girl who's just yeah. becoming, you know. like. Everything he said was completely innocent and just, like, him being friendly with her. But being at this camp, I mean, he's 19. It's not his first year being uh, Mm -hmm. at this camp and being around all these young girls. I feel like he has to be extra careful in his behaviors. Like, picking her up and and holding her up in the water, you know, when he's, like, teaching her how to swim Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, yeah, it's innocent, but she's going to look at that as something else because she doesn't really understand. And then she's hanging out with Viv and she sees Viv being so brave and so brazen. Mm -hmm. So, of course, she's going to feel that same way. So I I totally get what you're saying. I I feel like the way he was written is every single thing he did was okay. Yes. But in the context, it's like, there was still a little bit of that squeamish factor where you're like this is highly inappropriate and i don't like it but i do still like theo (laughs) yes like it didn't it wasn't it wasn't creepy enough to the point where i'm like this kid is like weirdo it's just it was just an innocent thing and i'm not saying it doesn't happen because obviously it does but he did nothing nefarious in the the, the fifteen past year, years past. So there's no right. reason to not dislike him. But it was just the only thing. It's just the situations. That, like, like he's yes. why is he driving them to go to town? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like those type of things. Like yeah, him giving her a nickname like that's cute. He knows she's a first time camper. He's trying to make her com- comfortable. Mm-hmm. But then it's like there's these other things that you're like even Franny shouldn't be putting the one boy at the camp besides the groundskeeper, in the situation with these young girls. Because even Viv is only 16. I know. And then it's... And I can't even fault them either for, like, Vivian, like, showing her the crack in, like, the shower stall. Yeah. She can, like, look at Theo. Because I'm like, you know what? No, that's normal. Like, girls would fucking do that. Like, everyone's gonna... You know, it's, it's also like this this little secret that Viv gets yeah, to tell Emma. Like, exactly. I, I totally saw that happening. Mm-hmm. But also, I really like the way that Riley Sager wrote that as well. Because, again, Emma's 13 years old. She just got her period. She's never really mm-hmm. had a crush on anyone. And mm-hmm. so Theo is the first person and she kind of like gets to peek at him in the shower. You don't necessarily, they don't go into detail as to what she sees or anything. So you don't really know what she actually saw. But obviously, I'm sure she saw a good chunk and she yeah. gets like the flutters and everything because she like realizes like oh like i like this person so i think he wrote it it was very mature and it wasn't like gross at all because she also ha- expresses feelings of guilt when she's thinking yeah. about it like mm-hmm. she's like exactly. oh my god i shouldn't have liked yeah. that like it's it's more than just like he he i looked at him in the shower and it was the first boy i saw no. like she actually processes the information mm-hmm. yeah i really so, yeah. liked how he wrote that i thought that was very because yeah. again 
as a male author, they could take that situation and make it gross and stupid and it and it wasn't at all. So it was good. I agree with that. Okay, so that night, that same night that she sees Viv in the shower, the girls sneak out and Viv tells Emma she's too young to come. And Emma says, I hope you never come back. And then as the cherry on top, she locks the door behind them. And later on, in the early morning hours, when Viv comes back banging on the door, she doesn't open it. And Emma lives with this guilt because the three girls are never seen alive again after that moment. So she thinks if I never said that to them, if I had just opened the door, they would have come in, gone right back to sleep. None of this would have ever happened. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, upon finding the girls missing... Emma publicly accuses Theo because to her, he's the last person to see Viv alive. And also he is capable of betrayal and hurt. Yeah. And this is where things leave off that summer. So what do you think of this? I mean, in all of the true crime that we consume, we see how falsely accusing someone can ruin their fucking life. Yeah. But obviously, Emma is a kid. Like, she doesn't understand the ramifications. She just wants Theo to be hurting because she's hurting. And she wants him to feel guilty because she feels guilty. Yeah. 100%. Hundred percent, and like like we said, she and even during the time that she's processing what's happened, she doesn't really know if you actually did it, but she just doesn't know what else happened. Yeah, she and needs so, someone to blame so that she's not to blame. And because she thought she, you know, saw Theo having sex with Vivian in the bathroom stall, she just assumes that it was him because why not? That was the last. Yeah, like you said she feels betrayed. She's hurt not only by Theo, but she's hurt by Vivian. So it's just this whole thing and she doesn't she doesn't know she's a kid like what 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 can you expect (laughs) these three girls just up and disappeared and that was it exactly and then we do find out that it did ruin his life and it Mm -hmm. did impact his life for the next 15 years and his reputation just because a 13 year old girl was upset because her crush was interested in someone else Mm-hmm. And her crush, she was 19 years old and there was no nothing that was ever going to happen from it. I know. So fast forward to present time and Emma's a painter and she's stuck painting the girls obscured by trees because I liked that's that. all she can. I loved that. Especially I that, that it's like these huge, like as big as a wall canvases. Uh-huh. Imagine how beautiful the forest I, look. I know. And I was like, that's actually a really cool visual to imagine. And the fact that mm-hmm. she... Because she feels so guilty about that night still, and she feels like she had a hand in it, mm-hmm. that this is her way of processing her trauma. And so she just paints them, but then hides them in her paintings. And I'm like, that's brilliant. And that's how she sees them as lost in the woods, because that's mm-hmm. they were never found. That's what they think happened. They, they found a sweatshirt in the woods, so they think that that's what must have happened to them. There's a part where, when talking about her art, Emma's friend tells her, You can be proud of yourself. There's no need to feel guilty. Artists are supposed to be inspired by life experiences. That's what creativity is all about. And then Emma's thoughts. Mark is talking about the girls, of course, buried inside every painting. Other than me, only he knows about their existence. The only thing I haven't told him is why, 15 years later, I continue to make them vanish over and over. And that's literally what she's doing because she paints the girls first and then she just heaps on more and more paint and more and more trees and covers them until they're, I think she said the first painting is the only one where you can actually see any of the girls. 
Mm-hmm. So at her art show, as we heard in the summary, Franny shows up and convinces Emma to come back to the camp to teach art because she's opening it for the summer. She's like, it's time. It's been 15 years, but it's not going to be the same. It's going to be for anyone instead of just like all the rich kids. And we're going to have art classes and photography classes, and it's going to be an enrichment thing and blah, blah, blah. And at first... Emma is like, fuck no. And also, why? Because I've literally ruined their family's lives. Theo was never publicly cleared because the girls were never found. And he was the only suspect. So his life has been completely ruined by Emma's accusations. And then Franny is just like, girl, we forgive you. Seems sus. It seems sus. Very sus. And Emma's just like, oh, well, they said they forgive me. And they invited me back. So I guess we're good like like nothing happened we're good okay so she's like fuck it and agrees to go back to the camp to secretly find answers about what happened that night like she's a police detective she's a a criminal investigator (laughs) like she 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 won't even have service up there but she's gonna internet sleuth it up there yeah emma comes back and she rooms with her new bunk mates crystal with a k sasha and miranda who are so different from the original girls. Mm -hmm. Like they're more quirky and they have like Crystal and Sasha have their own quirky personalities. But Miranda is the one who resembles Viv because she's obviously like the cool attention seeker, but in a much less subtle way than Viv was. Mm -hmm. Like she's clearly like crying out for attention, whereas Viv did it in more of like a convincing way. Yeah. But still, Emma sees, like, those resemblances in Viv and Miranda. So once camp is up and running, shit starts going haywire. Emma's over here (laughs) conducting an investigation by doing nothing. And things are going crazy. Someone's messing with her. They trap three birds in her cabin. They're spying on her. They paint liar on her front door. And everyone thinks that she did it. Everyone thinks that she's doing this for attention. So Franny, Lottie, Chet, his new fiance, Mindy, even though they all say they've forgiven her, no one trusts her. Mm -hmm. Because after the incident at camp, we find out that Emma had hallucinations and she spent six months in a mental health facility. So it showed up in her background check and no one ever said anything about it. And then they just installed one camera, one camera on the entire campground pointing directly at her cabin door that was an invasion of privacy number one and then emma's just like that's fine i know because it's kind of like she she's in it it's a tough situation for her to be in because they obviously were able to find out her record which shouldn't have been able to because she was a juvenile so Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. were able to, to get the sealed record and so they know now that she went a little crazy which can you blame her three Uh, girls vanished never to be found so she can already tell that they're doubting her in general and Mm -hmm. her mental health and stability so she kind of has to be like no it's fine leave the camera because you'll see that i'm gonna do nothing wrong while i'm here right instead of also you know think about how how charming franny must be because like this happens and then franny's just like oh we're really sorry we should have told you should have gone about it a different way And Emma's like, you know what? No problem. Like, Franny just keeps doing the sketchiest, most ridiculous shit. And then she just goes to Emma and she's like, about that. I'm really sorry if it made you uncomfortable. And Emma's just like, okay, no problem. (laughs) 
Franny was such a complex character for me in this book because it was the same thing. She comes off as this sweet lady that is really super caring, but it also feels like she'll put the claws out at any at any godforsaken mm-hmm. moment and she'll slit your throat. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just she's very it's you don't know what side you're gonna get realistically. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting, too, because you, like, don't know if you should like Franny, if you should be nervous about Franny. What does she know? What doesn't she know? So it it was – her character was very well written. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like you can tell that she's the kind of person who will do anything for her family, but then she'll also do anything for the camp. Yeah. She kind of has, like, this – she loves her family. She loves this camp. And this camp is literally all she has left. So it's just, mm-hmm. and she's always had a love for it. So I think when it comes to the camp, she's willing to bend over backwards and do whatever it takes to make sure that it's successful. And then we find out that she used to own all of this property and she used to be extremely wealthy, but because of everything that happened at the camp and she had to pay out these settlements, these settlements. and yeah. she sold everything except her house in New York City and the camp. And everyone's like, dude sell the camp or mm-hmm. even the land around it because the land. there's like acres she just and acres couldn't of land. it just she holds wouldn't. that sentimental value for her because her was it her great grandfather or something was it yeah her I think grand- so. great grandfather you know he created the camp the land for the camp mm-hmm. so it's i get it it was it was a sentimental thing she just couldn't let go yeah. of it and she but had such high like- hopes of bringing it back yes and uh, but imagine like something that horrible happens there And then you still have such fond memories of it. Like, it's just, it's very Mm -hmm. complicated. She's a complicated woman. She sure fucking is. (laughs) So then Emma knows that this camera is there, but this doesn't deter her at all from being sketchy as fuck. No. She finds a map hidden in Vivian's trunk, and it's got an X mark in a spot and an old photograph. So Emma takes off on this wild journey through the woods. Her new camper's like, hey, can we come with you? And she's like, sure, fuck it. Get in the canoe. Let's go. No. Doesn't tell anyone that they're leaving. They go all the way to the other side of the camp. And then they're on like, it sounds like the hike from my nightmares. She's like, it's completely vertical. Like we're grabbing onto trees just to pull ourselves up. And I'm like, what are you doing? My worst nightmare, honestly. And the campers are just like, so are we, we go going back? somewhere specific or like <laughs> also, going can we go on? back <laughs> yeah like can we turn around she didn't even bring any food or water she just brought like mm-hmm. a granola bar anyway so they finally get to their destination which is the x on the spot on the map and she finds vivian's diary buried mm-hmm. which i was like okay i like this so viv was on a mission of her own to expose franny's deep dark secret that the camp's location used to be the peaceful valley asylum mental hospital And this doesn't really affect the plot that much, but I have to read this excerpt from Viv's diary. It's very important. Okay. Fun fact. In the 1800s, women could be sent to asylums for these reasons. Hysteria, immoral life, egotism. Am I saying that right? Egotism. I think so. It sounds weird. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Nymphomania, bad company, jealousy, masturbation, being kicked in the head by a horse, and, drumroll please, novel reading. I know. I knew so you were going to bring that up. <laughs> we're fucked. We would have immediately yeah. been committed. Any women, mm-hmm. women listening to this podcast, you're committed to. We're all going to the Peaceful Valley Asylum. Mm-hmm. And at the asylum, 
the patient's hair was being sold off to wig makers. So it seems like this is the only shady thing they find out that's going on there. But based on the timing and based on what happened to women who went to insane asylums, this is a shady thing that's happening. So it's indicative of further shady dealings going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't find out anything specifically about how they're treating the women at this specific place. But it just gives you the idea that they were not be treating they were not being treated correctly fairly humanely yeah it was i almost i like kept waiting for the other shoe to drop about this asylum and it just like never did it's a total (laughs) red herring which i was just gonna say that's the the total point of it and i can appreciate that now Mm -hmm. after you finish the book because i'm just like all right well this asylum is obviously a big part of the story but there's really not any detail about it. And then when you get the detail about it, it's nothing bad. And I'm like, I'm just so confused. It leaves mm-hmm. you so confused. And then you obviously, like we said, well, you finish the book and you're like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Red but herring part that I did not remember. I was like, yeah. I don't remember any of that shit. And Which that's I don't blame because- you. Because yeah. it's not, it's not, you, you think it's going to be imperative to the story. And it's just fucking not. At it's all. <laughs> at all. It's all it's all part of a bigger plan. Yeah. So the, the biggest part of this big secret is that Franny's an- ancestor, which I can't remember if it was like great grandpa or grandpa. I don't know. Whatever. She's old. I think so. it was. I, I want to say it was great grandfather. Yeah. We're going to go with that. So he opened Lake Midnight. He made the man-made lake because he was like, this campground needs a lake. And basically mm-hmm. he drowned the land to make a lake and buried the asylum beneath it, potentially with the women inside side. And this is kind of muddy because Lottie has her own version where her ancestors found new homes for the women before the lake was open. But we really never find out who's telling no. the truth. And we we really don't know. And the whole concept of them creating a lake to bury a, an asylum is wild in its own yeah. context. If you're thinking about it, like it, he literally flooded a land out and was able to do it with enough it's just crazy. It's he just like left I, the buildings I, there. He's I like, try, fuck it. I know, and I try to like think about how that would look, and I'm like, it just, I, it confuses me. It perplexes yeah. me. <laughs> See, it can, it's bad. Water, even man-made water, we are not meant to explore it. Okay, no. water no. is not meant to be discovered. No, it's just, it's baffling. But also, I love this summer camp campfire tale mm-hmm. spin that it gives the book because then that tale gets twisted so many different ways and it's like this old legend that the summer camp that there's ghosts that have been buried underneath the water and they're coming back to you know to punish the campers or that they ran off into the woods and they've been living off the land for all this time so it adds this cool like i could just picture everyone around the campfire like telling these scary stories Yeah, I agree. So I like that. So the main point that Viv makes in her diary is that she knows what she has to do and she's scared. Scared to involve Emma because she wants to protect her and scared that somehow Viv will get hurt as she carries out her plan. Yes. It's all very vague. So again, the three campers that Emma is rooming with go missing. Again. (laughs) Did you hear that? Again. I know. And when that happened, I was like, it like threw me for a loop when it happened in the book. And I was like, wait, I was like, now they're missing? you're the problem you're the common denominator i mean clearly someone was out for her you know i just was like this can't be happening i was like what is going on it's also like you don't know no. so 
she wakes up, realizes they're gone. She goes to search for them. The police automatically think she's the main suspect because this coincidence is kind of a lot to handle, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. I don't blame the cops in this situation. I mean, no, yes, me I think they should be out there searching a little harder, but uh-huh. like, uh-huh. they're like, Emma, what'd you do? So then randomly, and this is, this is a, a flicker in the dark situation. Her <laughs> and Theo meet together in the cabin and they're about to fuck in a bunk bed (laughs) after 15 years after she accused him of killing three girls and they just start making out and they're they're about to get it on in this well because even and i think it was before this because she goes to the library to do like research about the asylum Mm -hmm. and everything and Theo says, because in 15 years past, Emma had kissed Theo at, at the diner. Oh, and so Theo uncomfortable. Was like, so uncomfortable. Yeah, I know, I know. And, you know, and Theo was like, you know, no. But then, like, he admits to her, you know, that the thing was, is like, I would have kissed you back. And that was when you kind of get like, oh, like, it's, you're crossing some boundaries, but I, mm-hmm. I get it. And then so now it's 15 years later, he, he still cares about Emma. And I mm-hmm. think that... I think if eventually their relationship may have progressed in the future in a different in a different way, if obviously the vanishing didn't happen initially. So it's just he's always kind of had a thing, which is weird. He's always had a thing for Emma. Yeah, but it's not it's not necessarily weird now because now they're consenting adults, right? Obviously, he did stop it then. He did, and And he he you know, and he knew it was inappropriate, and that he right. That's why he never really acted on it, and so now his like his chance to 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 do it and it's yeah but now that you say it it is very creepy that he was looking at a 13 year old and was like if you weren't 13 yeah yeah i don't like that maybe if that's like, like a, yeah. 16 or 17 mm-hmm. i would understand his feelings a little bit more but he is 19 like he could yeah. vote like he was a full ass adult <laughs> Okay. Um, so they're about to get it on and then she stops and she's like, I have to tell you the truth of why I accused you all those years ago because she has never explained herself. Like no, no. one is asking for answers. I would be like, Emma, what the fuck? But no one is asking. So she's like, because I saw you having sex with Viv. And he's like, I never had sex with Viv. And she's like, what now? And he's like, no, like she tried and I could have, but I didn't. And so Emma is like, okay. And she cool, starts cool, cool. rethinking everything. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and then the finger pointing. She's just basically goes, yeah. just standing in the middle of the campground and just turning in a circle, pointing her finger at everyone. She's, She's like, like Oprah Winfrey, like, like yeah. you get a boat. You get a boat. <laughs> you murdered three girls. You murdered three. Like, unbelievable. First she cruises Franny, then Lottie, then the groundskeeper, who it turns out was the one actually mm-hmm. having sex with it that night but he has an alibi and after already accusing theo like she's just no wonder the cops are not taking her seriously okay you're the number one suspect and you can't even settle on an explanation to take the heat off yourself yeah so then emma realizes that the girls are making the same trek as they did on their random hike which to find the x on the map yeah and they're doing it for emma which was tugged at the heartstrings (laughs) Because they were scared for Emma and they knew she was trying uh-huh. to solve a mystery. But also, kids, leave a note. Leave a note next time. Leave a note. So all, you, all you have to do is just scribble BRB. Yep. Just BRB. anything. Going on a quick yeah. adventure. We'll yeah. be back. Hopefully. Going to the if not, come find me. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, okay. But uh-huh. that's fine. That's fine. It's a fiction book. Um. Anyway, so she heads out. Once again, not sketchy at all. In the middle of the night. 
when they're watching her cabin because they yeah. think that she is a murderer, she finds the new girls trapped in a cave, like, or in a root cellar. Yeah, and it she, was some kind of, like, cellar, yeah. Like, I would love for this to be a TV series so I could see the layout of this land, okay? And she frees them, but then she's like, wait a minute, we're still in danger. We gotta get the fuck out of here. And then she turns around. Surprise! Theo shows up. Yeah. He says it's because he followed her when he saw her being sketchy in the middle of the night, which is valid. But Emma is never one to not point the finger. So she was like, oh, my God, you came back here to kill them. It was you all along. She whacks him in the head with a flashlight. (laughs) She's like, we were in the bunk bed. We almost consummated this thing. And then she just whacks him with a flashlight and escapes. The girls escape. They go back to the boat. And she falls down into an underwater cave, which something I did not see coming. Did not see this one coming. I didn't. And also, honest to God, my worst fucking nightmare. And and then when you start thinking about the fact that he literally built this lake over buildings, you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, this actually could be a real thing. Like, that's terrifying. Terrifying. So with the help of Ghost Viv, who's just been here the whole time, she swims to freedom. And here's here's where it gets a little wild. She's rescued by Chet, who is basically a non-existing character up until this point. His only purpose is like having Mindy as a fiance because Mindy sucks. So he rescues her and then he hits her in the head with an oar. So I know that Emma likes to jump to conclusions a lot, but this one, it feels valid. It it feels like this one might stick. Mm -hmm. So it turns out Chet convinced Franny to invite Emma back to frame her as payback for ruining his family's reputation for causing Theo to almost take his own life. And just as he's about about to start swinging away with his oar again, of course, in true fiction thriller, the cop and Theo get there just in time to save the day. Theo is a fucking hero and he sounds super hot. And Emma is just really undeserving of all of his grace and heroic deeds. I know. I know. Creepy or not, he's he's saving the day. So anywho, but before the rescue, while Emma's just hanging out underwater, she finds bones in an old building, a.k.a the insane asylum below the lake and she realizes that her friends have finally been found 15 mm-hmm. years later she sees like vivian's necklace down there yep she sees her locket like, she and knows she sees that's how she skulls. knows that it's like them because she exactly. sees the necklace that that vivian always wore so she assumes that 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 those remains are going to be the three girls exactly so she comes up she tells the cop like we finally found them and the theory is that the old campers were going to investigate the asylum because they were trying to expose these deep, dark mm-hmm. secrets, and they got disoriented, and they were trapped in the old building, and then they drowned. But as they investigate, they only find the bones of Natalie and Allison with blunt force trauma wounds to their heads. So there's still a lot of questions. So somehow, Emma goes back home, and she's ready to process part two of the trauma. She paints the girls all over again, this time how she really saw them. And it's her Mm -hmm. underwater series. And she paints them all obscured with blues and greens from the water in the building, you know. So at her second gallery show, a woman comes up behind her and whispers, Two truths and a lie, Emma. You ready? One, Allison and Natalie were with my sister the night she died. They dared her to go out on that ice. They saw her fallen and drown, yet they told no one. So I befriended them, earned their trust. Two, since I already suspected Natalie and Allison, I spent a year researching and planning. I learned about the history of Lake Midnight. I led Allison and Natalie to the secret spot on the lake where no one would ever look. 
I did to them what they had done to my sister. Three, Vivian is dead. All of these are the truth. But Mm -hmm. sometimes the truth can be spun into a lie. And that's the whole fucking theme of this book is that Mm -hmm. sometimes a lie is necessary and the truth is only the truth if people believe it. Exactly. So what did you think of this ending? I mean, Viv is still alive? That was, I literally was like, what? No. And it blew my mind. And then it obviously, as soon as you read that like little part at at the end of the book, it just connects all the dots. Mm -hmm. And then Emma realizes that when Vivian came to the door that night, she didn't say, let us in. She said, just let me in. Mm -hmm. So it was, so then obviously, then then you have to wonder, like, how the fuck did she escape? Like Vivian just dis- she still made herself disappear from mm-hmm. from the campground and she just was able you have to think about it she's a 16 year old girl right mm-hmm. so she's been living these past 15 years letting everyone think she's dead mm-hmm. and again she but then you know you learn about Vivian's past and you know she comes from a family that doesn't give a fuck about her either right. her dad's like a senator or whatever and her mom doesn't give two shits so no one she can go missing because right. no one's going to look for her. No one's going to care yeah. enough to look for her. And they say that she had like pieces of a wig. So she definitely had a wig. And then there was like stuff mm-hmm. to make a fake ID. Like, I don't know where the 16 year old's getting all of these services. And the way that she's not being recognized because she is a senator's daughter and everyone was looking for yeah. them. But it's just this this tale of revenge. Like she was... murdered these other two girls for basically not killing her sister but basically being complicit in her death and it's it's just so good it's just so good because again you have to figure so she's 15 when this happens to her sister so it's been a year she plans this whole she does all this research plans this whole thing to base and and then you you understand now why she wants to include emma but doesn't because she doesn't want to make emma complicit in it and And, emma's like a wrinkle in the plan like she never knew and then she finds out that Vivian actually wasn't drowning to get Theo's attention. She was doing it to see how the other girls would react. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just so she does all these. So then you look back on all the things that she did throughout this novel. Like she fucked the groundskeeper so she can get his keys so she can get the sh- Like she did all this shit mm-hmm. just so she can kill these two girls and get her mm-hmm. revenge. Mm-hmm. And then, so you're just kind of like, bruh what did I just read? Like it completely changes the way you look at the book. And then you Mm -hmm. understand that the asylum was a fucking red herring. It Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with anything. Franny had nothing to do with anything. And even, even the girls going missing in the, in the present had nothing to do with anything. It was just, the whole Mm -hmm. point is just Vivian's revenge is the whole point of the book. And Emma totally fell for the red herring. And that's why like ghost Viv kept being like, dude, it's all right in front of you. Like, I thought Mm -hmm. that you'd be better at this. You're falling for no one cares about Franny's deep, dark secret, because even if it was true that her great grandfather buried and killed all these women, who gives a shit? Okay, there's something that happened 15 years ago. That's a whole lot worse than what happened. That was the thing. And that was the thing. Like, you're kind of like, why is this asylum keep getting brought up? You're like, I don't understand. There's and you're you're still never getting because even when things come up about the asylum it's just 
more unanswered questions. Yeah, like we don't, there's we never, still don't know the truth. No, there's never like a finality to it. So you're just kind of like the, what is going, it's just running around in circles about this asylum, mm-hmm. trying to figure out when is the, when's the ball going to drop? When are we going to mm-hmm. find out about this? Mm-hmm. What's the big thing? And then it and just it does. literally was nothing because it had nothing to do with anything. It was just a red herring. Mm-hmm. So were you expecting the culprit to be the same in both disappearances when you heard that the second set of campers went missing? I wasn't sure. A part of me didn't feel like it was connected, but at the same time, you're kind of like, because it's like, how could it happen again? But I, I didn't, I didn't quite understand how to feel about it. Right. But then once you realize that the whole thing was because I don't think that was ever a part of Chet's plan, but it worked out perfectly for him. Like it fell into right. his lap because then obviously he trapped the girls in the cellar yeah. because they were and locked then he, like, in there. he like changes the camera footage so it looks yeah, like Emma's guilty. So, so, you know, so you, it almost makes you, it almost makes you wonder what his goal was to frame Emma. Mm-hmm. And then this kind of just falls into his lap. So it's, you know. It's, yeah. Like, because yeah. he didn't have a fully thought out plan. And no. even like the cop says they don't think that he was ever going to hurt the girls. He was just like acting irrationally. He, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, the first time I read it, I was like, the second time I was getting suspicious of Emma. And I was like, please don't let this be like a split personality thing where she like did See, it. I and never, then. Yeah. I never suspected Emma. I, she was never like on my radar because like, again, the night that they went missing, the, the new girl, she was drunk as a skunk. She was yeah. passed out. And then knowing that she felt like someone was watching her, obviously. Cause then, and obviously mm-hmm. your first assumption is the groundskeeper because he was was there in the past and then in the yeah. present so i can understand why and he was sleazy as fuck he was like my first thought and then i kind of was almost like well Too was obvious. lottie responsible and yeah. i'm like but why would they lottie do lottie, that like, like, it was just there was so many different people it could have been so you couldn't mm-hmm. even come to a conclusion as to what was going on because then things were answered and they're like okay no it's not that because they have an alibi it's cleared up so you just never know and then eventually emma just realizes the girl's weren't kidnapped or anything they just went on an adventure on their own because like you Mm -hmm. know they find crystal's comic book like ripped up and she was making a trail and she like realizes what they were doing i love that so it's like okay like i like that it was innocent that that was innocent whereas Mm -hmm. like the vivian one was nefarious this one was innocent exactly exactly okay so i have a couple more questions for us to discuss which of the girls do you relate to the most It could be Vivian, Natalie, or Allison, Sasha, Crystal, or Miranda, Emma, or even Becca, who we didn't talk about, but she was definitely a victim of Viv's manipulation. Probably Emma. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, because I I get it. I get being a 13-year-old and wanting to fit in and wanting Mm -hmm. to be liked by the popular girls than you are and having a crush, like a young Emma, I would say young Emma for sure. Right, right, right. Because then it's like, you know, having a crush on like the camp counselor and because he's super hot and you're like nervous and you don't know what to do and everything like that. And so it's just being the feeling of being accepted. Yeah, I agree. I was definitely an impressionable kid and I did feel kind of left out of my home life. So I was always looking for friends to fill that void for me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I would have totally grabbed towards Vivian especially like you said at that age your first summer away like that's mm-hmm. it, it's just so much for a 13 year old yeah. girl to be going through and I feel like she was just so well written like just mm-hmm. so complicated in a way that a teenager is you know I agree I agree completely like we said he all these characters he wrote very very well but Emma was definitely mm-hmm. well written too yeah what do you think about Emma returning to camp and also 
her refusal to recant her allegations. Even 15 years later, she still won't. She says, I'm sorry, but she won't take back what she said about Theo. I think because she feels guilty and she doesn't want to admit that she was wrong. I think it's kind of almost like, I think that she just doesn't want to admit that she fucked hers his life up she also i think she's like i can't say with 100 percent certainty that he didn't do it even though i still have a crush on him 15 years later and i'm yeah wanting to make out with him and stuff she's like i still don't know that he didn't do it yeah it's which which i understand because she doesn't have the answers yet until vivian comes back to her in the present yes you know what i mean so now at this point i'm sure she would admit that she was wrong but i just think in that in that moment she's just it's so much has happened 15 Mm -hmm. years ago and present that it's just it's just a mess it's all intertwined and interwoven and there's just no you pull a string the whole thing's gonna fall apart so it's just right and also in any real life situation emma is not returning to that fucking camp that's not that's not happening it's not happening i don't care how much they're paying her she's selling her (laughs) big ass paintings she's got the money she's fine okay she lives in new york city Okay, my most important question I already asked, which is why didn't the girls leave a note? It's just a serious question that I have for the campers. I get that you were trying to help Emma because Emma, okay, there were so many cringe, like where I was actually cringing reading this book when she's drunk and talking to the campers. Oh, I know. That was, that situation was weird. That was, that was a little, that was a little much. I was like, Emma, please go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. Stop talking, stop talking. And she's like, let's play truths and a lie. And I was like, stop it, stop it, go to sleep. (laughs) And then when she's 13 and she kisses Theo, and she's like, oh my God, I was was like, like it was painful. It was painful to read it. So anyway, (laughs) these these girls are scared of the dark and they just run off in the middle of the night. Like y'all couldn't have waited till the next day. I mean. Yeah, you know, suspicious. But I get it. It's obviously it had to happen in the. It it, I know it's a fiction book, book, Heather. I know, sense. okay. But I just <laughs> every time I'm like, guys, this is this is the part <laughs> where you get into the car and drive away in the slasher movie. You know what yeah. I mean? All right. So, any other questions that we need to discuss before we get to the ratings? No, I don't think so. I think that we hit we hit on everything everything that stuck out to me in this book. Oh, I think we should finish our talking about Franny's complexity because we also find out that Franny was dying and that's why she reopened the camp. Yes, and actually another thing that I really that I liked and it's was that the fact that she kind of wanted Theo and Emma to be together, which was interesting because she yeah. was like, you know, you guys both need to have a conversation and you know when when you're both ready and i think that you know you'll be able to be it's almost like franny knew that they would be together yeah which again weird obviously the age difference when they were kids and now they're adults but she i guess could obviously see that theo cared about emma and that emma Mm -hmm. cared about theo and that and emma ruined theo's life they've both hurt each other in a sense right so i mean obviously emma more so than theo and the fact that like theo was so forgiving of everything that Emma put him through. This is the most unrealistic part of the book. More so than the Yeah. Note. You know, and he did try to kill himself eventually, you know, and during the yeah. during that 15-year break. And so she obviously did do a number on him, but he still liked her. You know what? It's just broken men like to be... <laughs> if I go back to Coop, <laughs> 
You know what I mean? It's like these wounded men, they just like these complex women that are terrible for them and treat them like shit. I'm having an epiphany. This is like, you know how women will date a man that they can fix? Like there's women who are fixers. There are also men who are fixers. And I know we're talking about fictional characters, but like Theo should have slapped Emma across the face. Not really. I'm not condoning violence, but I'm saying he should have been like, girl, you ruined my fucking life. I know. And, and it's he's not trying even, to kiss her. It's not even like a fixing complex. It's a savior complex. Yeah. The white he just thing. Wants, he, it's what it is. It's like mm-hmm. he just wants to take her and save her and make her and feel worthy prove to her like because he's he does say at one point like why did you say that all those years ago and that's when yeah. you know whatever comes out but like i think he also is like i want to prove to her that i'm not this person that she thought yes. i was capable yes. of murdering three girls that that all makes a lot of sense because other than that i'm just like you've really been hung up on her for 15 years when she ruined your life and like current day emma does not sound like she has her shit together so i I'm not seeing the appeal here. No, and she's not. And I don't. And I don't think she's a bad person. I just think she's been. She experienced a traumatic event at such a young age that was never resolved. Mm -hmm. And obviously, she's dealing with her mental health, i.e., painting the missing girls into paintings and not being able to face what she did in the past, face her guilt. She sees dead Viv all the time. Like Mm -hmm. she's going. The girl's going through it. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean. But I don't think. Whereas, like, we've read other books and the women are kind of terrible human beings. Yeah. I don't think Emma's a terrible human being. I just think that she got dealt a shitty hand of cards and handled it incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's also like, how can you be expected? Not only is she 13, she's at that such a formative age. Yeah, innocent. And it's not like she's processing the death of three of her friends who she didn't know that well, but she felt really connected to. She never has answers. Like, they could still be alive in her mind. Like, they've just disappeared. So it's like, I can't imagine being able to process that because there's nothing to process. You know what I mean? Exactly. And even when they find the girls underwater, there's still no resolve to what mm-hmm. happened so it's not until so everything happens and then it's she, it's still kind of in limbo and then the whole st- conversation with vivian happens and then mm-hmm. emma finally gets her answers but you don't really get the closure for emma like you don't get to see how she handles it but i do right. like that she was like i'm gonna tell the cops like she was like i'm not gonna yeah. let her get away with this which and is I was like you know what that shows I, growth and i give her props for that because mm-hmm. she's emma's been living 15 years in hell not mm-hmm. knowing anything and it's vivian coming back was just kind of saying like let sleeping dogs lie and mm-hmm. emma's like mm-hmm. no i've caused so much hurt i've caused so much pain for other people and i feel guilty like no i want my i want my conscience to be clean Absolutely. And if you think about it, like 15 years ago, if she had let Viv back in and Vivian had told her what just happened, Emma would have lied for her. Emma would have covered for her. Mm -hmm. Emma would have been complicit in everything that happened to an extent. But 15 years later, she's making the right decision. And she's Mm -hmm. saying, no, I'm not going to do everything Vivian tells me to do. You deserve to be punished for what you did. Yeah, That's a good point. You're right. I think if, if she had known 15 years ago, she would have because Vivian was so important to her and was this role model 
hospital, she would have done whatever she needed to do to protect Viv. Yeah. But now it's like so much time has passed and Emma's been through so much trauma that it's, she can't. Yeah. She can't live with that. Wow. The more that we talk about it, the deeper that this book gets. I feel like this no, it's really is good. not just a I summer camp tale. No, this book was... <laughs> Really good. And I'm definitely, like I said to you, Riley Sager is going to be an auto buy for me. I only read Final Girls and now this. And mm-hmm. I, now I'm going to definitely read all his books because yeah. he writes. Well, I loved Final Girls too when I read Final Girls. So did I. Yeah. I think, and I, 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 think I gave that like five ones. stars. Yeah, yeah. Like I like I loved Final Girls. So I was, I'm definitely will read all all of his books. hundred percent. All right. So let's, let's jump to the ratings on that. Got note. it. How many lies are you giving this book? <laughs> 4.5 lies. Mm -hmm. And the only reason, the only reason why it's not getting five stars is just some boundaries were crossed for me that I can't give five stars that we discussed. But honest to God, this was, I like put it down and I was like, holy shit, that was so good. That was such a good book. I did not see the ending coming whatsoever. Mm -mm. And once you, once you get to the ending and you see how it's all connected, you're like, that was an amazing concept for a book. And I also love mm-hmm. summer camp vibes. So I was Oh yeah. This yeah. was just this was a really great choice. I'm glad you I'm glad that you chose it. I already had it, so it worked out in the end, but I'm happy to be discussing it. Yeah. And I feel like when you get that first reveal that Chet is the one who hid the girls, it's like kind of disappointing. Like, oh, they just picked a random character. It is. But then once you get to the mm-hmm. real point of the story, which yeah. is Vivian, it's like, holy shit. Nice work. Yeah. Like exactly. I, I completely agree with that. Because yeah. I was. I was definitely disappointed that it was Chet. I was like, oh. Yeah. Like, this no was stu- Chet. I was like, okay. I was like, whatever. Because obviously he was 10 years old when the other girls went missing. So he clearly mm-hmm. had nothing to do with it 15 exactly. years ago. But you're like, oh, okay. And I understand why he did it because he's his brother was. He also has some unresolved trauma that he hasn't dealt with. Exactly. So, but definitely a strong 4.5. I would even dare say 4.75. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying I couldn't give it the full five either. I think I did when I first read it. I also am giving this 4.5 slash 4.75 lies. Even though there is so much going on, especially like we talked about finding about the history of the asylum and every character's journey, I didn't feel like it was hard to follow. I think that Riley Sager has a gift of being able to write female characters really well Mm -hmm. and capture their personalities and all the complexities and all the facets. There were some issues I had. I didn't love the format of the last chapter. You know how it was like all like italicized and it's like... yes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I just didn't love that kind of passive Mm -hmm. writing style. So that slightly tinged the reveal for me. Um, And then obviously, you know, some of the unbelievable aspects of the story. But overall, it creeped me out. It had me completely hooked. And he's just really able to absorb you in no matter how far-fetched the story is. I agree. And then the same thing. I couldn't put it down. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I like texted like 11 o'clock on the Friday night. I was like, I finished it. Yeah. I was like, I like, I literally, like, I was up past my bedtime. I was like, like I, I like, had to. Yeah, like, I'm, oh, I was. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. When, when she was in the cave, I was, when she was in the woods, when she was in the cave, I'm like, this book has officially, like, I was successfully creeped out. Like, he did like, a great job at painting. Don't go in the woods at nighttime. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. That's that's a no no. Yeah, but it was good. 
of course, I have to give it. If I can't put the book down, I'm going to give it a high rating. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And yeah, like you said, I think uh, he's definitely an auto buy. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy You've read like a good chunk of his books. Yeah, I've read all of them except the new one, actually, the one that yes, came out this say, month. You, I've only read two and I have Home Before Dark and I want to get the rest of them. <laughs> well, it's crazy because House Across the Lake is really, really good. And that one, as you're reading it, you're like, oh, my God, this is such like a familiar trope and blah, blah, blah. But then it just keeps unraveling, unraveling it the same way that he does with this. And you're like, oh, my God, it's so much deeper than you thought. So yeah, well, I really like that like one, final, too. That's how like Final Girls was, too. Like when you got to what the twist where everything was, you're kind of just like, what? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. So, and I like, I can appreciate that. I, I like that it's, he's someone that will keep me on my toes instead of mm-hmm. other books. We're kind of like, oh, like, you know, when we read A Flicker in the Dark, I was like, I had a feeling of who it was. Yeah. But. And it's I, not twists for the sake of twists. Like this was very mm-hmm. much thought out. Every single page of this book made sense to the ending. Yeah. And I just uh, would really like to commend us for speaking so highly of this male writer. So. I know. Cheers to us for that. Cheers to us. We're (laughs) we're doing great. Anything else you want to add? No, I I think we've now have officially covered everything. (laughs) I think we could go on forever, but Mm -hmm. we've we've established we really like it. And we recommend it, especially for those summer vibes. I think it's a great summer thriller. Mm -hmm. Read it on the beach during the day. During the day. And if you're going (laughs) to leave to go follow a treasure map, leave a note. Leave a note. Or a trail of ripped up of comic books (laughs) exactly all right so that's all we have for you today if you like what you heard please make sure to follow subscribe and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to because that'll really help us out a lot if you have any book recommendations if you have any questions for us if you want to discuss this book further with us you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com also be sure to follow us on our socials tiktok and instagram at fullybookedcalfpod to see our upcoming reads and some recaps of our episodes Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.